Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And this is episode 100. And uh, so you might have noticed we're not actually in our living room or our office, or someone's office. We're actually uh, at the Museum of Comedy. So we've got an audience, a special uh, live edition of the show. And we have uh, two special guests. Please welcome Marcus Brigstock. Hello. And Sarah Morgan. Slightly louder applause for Sarah. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Actually, shall we? Let's start with your uh, sitcom that the two of you are Mm. doing uh, that that you've written together. Mm. Which is right now. We're two days away from the next recording. Oh yikes! Yeah. No, no, we're all good. Okay, it's fine. Formatting issues mean we've had to submit it. Uh, for you, Sarah, a, like a reasonable amount of time before it's recorded, and for me, an absurd full two days yeah. before it's recorded. You're so cool. You'll just be There's like, no, nothing to do with day, cool. Day before what? Come on, well, no, I'm just day off. Day, day off. Formatting yeah. issues. Sorry, what are these? As in, one of you's got final draft and the other one hasn't. I mean, what is it? There is a bit of that. Yeah. And Seriously. Then you're writing for radio. Yeah, we've radio, got final draft. Yeah, we've got and got the BBC draft. haven't. Yeah. Radio formatting is a whole different kettle of fish, oh, which you know it's. I'm not going to relearn a thing. Yeah. To it slows the process down to sort of suddenly make yourself learn to write in a second language, which I'm used to writing in Final Draft. I actually write in Fade In because it's cheaper. Oh, um, right. <laughs> Tip there for you, everybody. Same thing. Although f- Final Draft, you get 30% off if you join the Writers Guild of Great Britain. There you go. There we get a little plug in there. But tell us what the show's called, which we haven't had yet. It's called The Wilsons Save the World. Oh. And um, what would be a reasonable way of saying it? So it, it's a little bit like The Good Life. Um, but, with, but without quite so much bullying. Uh, it's, it's, uh, Who are you, Tom, it's, Barbara, Margot? <laughs> yes, exactly, Tom okay. and Barbara. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like, it's, the, it's sort of if you actually tried to do the good life now in 2018, uh-huh. when it's basically impossible to know how to be good. Yeah. It's how to be good in the 70s is fine. You got a pig and you dug up your garden and you grew broccoli and you were mm. horrible to your wife. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, in 2018, it's really, really difficult to know how to be good because you're good in one direction and then in the other direction, you're wrong and someone will tell you you're wrong on the internet. Mm. Um, yeah. Really quickly. So, and that's the yeah, idea. Yeah. I mean, we wanted to create something that that said trying is good. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's That's very, uh, like all yeah. the things that I like the most, it's it's very sentimental. Uh, it's got a lot of heart to it. At least that's what we're trying to do. Definitely. And it, definitely it is, it is yeah. saying, look, trying is good. And actually, trying is good enough always. Right. And you will always get things wrong and, and all of that. So the family have, you know, they're, they're right up the unbearable smug end of, <laughs> of, of this stuff. They have an ethics jar. And they, they, they have to make a contribution to the ethics jar if one of them has forgotten uh, their, their travel cup and, you know, done something else or, or gone into a Starbucks, even for a wee, I think. They, oh, wow. They put it into the ethics jar. So, because we wanted to sort of own that, own the smuggery of it yeah. as, as well and, and how they tie themselves in knots over questions that really can't be answered. And usually, you know, um, they conclude with, well, we, we're giving this a go. It's all right. We have we have now actually made them vegetarian. Right. In series one, I think I resisted it because I was like, I'm just so it far out of my It was a kind of running joke in the show that they kept calling themselves vegan, and then we would do an episode at a cheese festival. Yes. Just for that one episode. Yes, that right. yeah. except yeah, yeah, for the yeah. daughter who. You, oh, so you, yeah. so you mean they're less extreme by being vegetarian or? Uh, 
You, you, you haven't got a vegan to go to in series three. Well, then. one of them's vegan. Yeah, like, right. so it's, a, it, it's, it's the classic setup. It is a mum, dad, and two kids. We've got uh, two daughters who are uh, t- one's a teenager, one's a 10 year old, and, and obviously uh, Mike and Kerry Godleyman, who plays Max. Mm. Um, Marcus's wife mm-hmm. uh, and everyone is coming at being good from a slightly different direction mm. but they love each other and they you know sitcom they try and work it out yeah. between them so yeah. how long so, did it it's, I mean it's a lovely show and I really enjoyed it um, and at what point how long did it take you you sort of came presumably came up with the rough idea but how long how long did it take it to resemble the show it now is to what extent did you think it's going to be this and then you go oh actually it's not that show it's this show or I can tell you exactly how long that <laughs> took because uh, I kicked around an idea based on this about 10 years ago and then I went to the Craft of Comedy Festival up in uh, Llandudno and attended a talk about creating family uh, creating structure in sitcom particularly through family and heard what Sarah had to say and went yeah that'll do it <laughs> so it yeah. took it took 10 years in a way and then basically being in a room with Sarah uh, forgive me, I'm going to blow smoke up your bum for a moment here. But really, <laughs> Please, no, I'm a writer. I never really, get smoke blown up my bum. Really, no, no yeah. amount of time. Vape away. Yeah. No amount of time because I am I'm really bad at at structure. Always have been with the Giles Wembley Hogs that I've written loads of hopeless at the structure of it the arc the story mm. having a beginning and end and all the rest of it useless at all that stuff I have other talents certainly but um, jokes is a, is a start isn't it jokes, jokes is, jokes is, jokes is helpful being funny and, is really helpful in comedy and how Absolutely. people speak <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I can do those things so uh, to be honest when we got in a room and actually put it together it didn't take very long I don't think right, right. Uh, is that your memory of it that is well? my, mem- my memory of it I mean for me as a writer it's absolutely lovely because I'm and I was uh, it's Everyone knows about the craft of comedy, I assume, which is a fantastic uh, comedy writing festival in Wales. Mm. And the lovely thing is, is everyone is sort of on a level pegging. So I was doing a workshop there, but also I was attending all the workshops that everyone else was doing. And Mm. Marcus was doing the same. Marcus did a, you were doing satire, I think. You did a workshop on satire. But everyone sort of, you know, knocks about and listens to each other. And there's no sort of... Yeah. Uh, separation of people mm, there yeah. it's lovely and Marcus mm. and I got chatting afterwards and he said I've had this idea for a sitcom radio for we're interested and to me it was like being sort of handed a present it was like oh well this is just it's the good life but now that is a, a yeah. fantastic pitch yeah. it mm. was all in place he had a couple of pages that were really funny and I could see all the ideas there and we just yeah it was really to, to be ha- to, for me it was like being handed like a lovely present yeah. like we'll just I'm I can totally so see on this yeah, that's Aww. how you see it this is a very <laughs> yeah. touching moment this yeah. is like the world it's the first one we've been nice to each other in about six months to be writing. I threw up the, the, the door on my lock up and went, See this pile of crap? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, One of those really good, yeah. And I stuck it all on eBay and it was worth yeah. a fortune. Yeah. 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 So um, let's talk a little bit about that seminar that you were doing. Yeah. Um, because um, it's about uh, family. Yeah. But obviously, it's not necessarily. I mean, you, you, you've ended up writing a family sitcom mm. and the idea is your theory about comedy being being families but why don't you just say a bit more about sure. uh, what that is well this is not it's not my theory sure. but it's one I'm obsessed by because it's really useful when yeah. writing comedy um, I first heard it on a podcast called How Was Your Week um, hosted by Julie Klausner and she was interviewing Mitch Hurwitz who is the creator of Arrested Development and yeah. he was saying he when he starts writing a show he always looks out for does his uh, does his cast of characters include a matriarch a patriarch a craftsman and a clown 
uh, no, he doesn't know where that came from. It's sort of Commedia dell'arte, but it's not really. Mm. Essentially, I, and then he said it, it sort of applies to the Beatles, you know. Uh, there's a mum basically it's a mum a dad and two kids and once you kind of get that stuck in your head and then you do away with gender roles and all that kind of stuff and you forget about whether men are dads and women are mums and all that kind of stuff and you just establish that someone is the sort of driving force someone is a more maternal force who's like a carer who drives things who might who might restrict the plot or might push the plot and then there's a clown kid who is uh, all id and um, uh Will, who's Bart Simpson basically? I mean, you're home on Marge, Bart Lisa. Yeah. And then you're I was going to so say the Simpsons. Yeah, is the Simpsons like is the perfect example of the paradigm. Yeah, yeah. Right. and but you can apply that to so many other sitcoms that aren't anything to do with a family. It just happens that we wrote a family sitcom. Yeah. But you can apply it to the young ones. You can apply yeah. it to the Good Place. You Red can apply Dwarf. it to anything. Red Dwarf. Yeah. Red Dwarf's a great one because Holly's the only woman in the cast. Uh, 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 peak Red Dwarf Holly's in the cast Holly is not the mum Crichton's the mum Crichton does cooking cleaning looking after gives advice you care about him and he gives someone a safe place to land he'll give you a cuddle essentially Holly wouldn't do that in the good place the female lead is the patriarch she's the dad Uh, Chidi's the mum because he's wise and kind and gives you a cuddle. And Craftsman and Clown, you can have as many as you like because they're just brilliant characters who one's always smart and one's always crazy and the mum and dad look after them. Yeah. And it, it's so simple once you pick that. And you go, the young ones, who's the mum and the young ones? Neil's the mum, uh, Mike's the dad, and Vivian is crazy. He's a clown, he's id, he's emotion. They like eating and yeah. sex and sandwiches and that is what clowns do. That's what Bart does, not sex, obviously. But, like, you know, they, they follow there's their, a, their emotions. Clown thing, isn't there? there's a, he's a sex clown. Sure, okay. that is. <laughs> that's a thing. That's right? a thing you've just. Well, then be lots of dream you have. Okay, <laughs> sure. And uh, uh, and uh, 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 the craftsman who is often thoughtful and sensitive and clever and often doesn't want to be in the family mm. but loves the family but doesn't want to be there, which gives you so many plots for everything. Once you have a craftsman who loves the family but wants to get away from them, that's Rick in the young ones. Who else is a good craftsman? Oh, so many. I think right. there's. Anyway. there's yeah. um, I mean. We, we talked a little bit to Paul Mayhew Archer a bit about this as well about you know families. Uh, every sitcom is a, is a family mm-hmm. sitcom, but in, in a sense, there's a sometimes it feels like is it are, are we are we imposing our viewpoint on something that's already been and, and almost certainly. If you look at the top 100 sitcoms of all time, you can go through and it's a very fun game. You can go through and go mum, dad, clown, craftsman, um, and often you do it retrospectively. Right. So you know, it, but it just means that it works in the same way that a three act structure works or something like that and yeah. often you, if you're writing something and you go through your script and you realise the plot's not moving or something like that you're probably missing one of those energies you might have too many craftsmen and no one's a clown no one's crazy no one's going to do something unexpected mm-hmm. put more clowns in make a clown come up with your favourite clown and uh, yeah. have them run wild yeah it's um uh, in a way it feels like we're all of these theories are trying to tap into something that seems to be universal human eternal in exactly some way. call it earth air fire and water call it paul george ringo and I mean, john that's a weird way to well, say the Beatles, I, I but yeah <laughs> that way around you know yeah, obvious, yeah. When, it's when, not as, it's not necessarily men women it's yeah. you know but it's as, interestingly, as you were talking about it um uh, i just thought oh that's the prodigal son in the bible ah. So there's, there's two brothers. There there's the mm. prodigal son who goes off, squanders the money and comes back. And there's the bitterly resentful older son. Mm-hmm. And interesting in that, I would argue that the father is the matriarch. Because he goes, yeah, he's, sure. he's yeah. out looking for his son mm-hmm. and comes back and goes running towards him. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's a I mean, moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, you know, those, those roles can shift even once you've, once you've established them. Yeah. Episode absolutely. Episode. I'm and curious should, yeah. though, James, when you wrote um, Think the Unthinkable, mm-hmm. how... 
because that was relatively early on in your writing Completely. Career. How structured, in terms of an approach, was your writing? Did you think about any of these sorts of things? Uh, I don't... I think maybe subconsciously I did. You're just sort of aware that each of the character needs to be different from the other. So I think... Yeah, so, so it probably ends up falling into that because we ended up with sort of four, four characters uh, who did... Uh, it was worth pointing out. So Marcus was um, the first sitcom I wrote. It's called Think the Unthinkable, and Marcus was was in it, and it was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Oh, it was great. We it was really great. enjoyed. I'll it. be honest. I was astonished because I'd known James. We, we, we did um, Club Seals was the the comedy group I was involved in at Bristol, and you were in the Durham Review, and we used to do exchanges. And I think we each sort of saw each other's work and mm. went, "Oh yeah, funny, yeah, yeah, good. Oh that bit was crap, yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, that's right. good." Yeah. <laughs> and then he 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 came up with this script and I went oh yeah James Carey yeah he's, he's quite funny and I looked at it I was like oh this is the whole thing like this is great it, oh, it really was yeah. man it was brilliant well bless you and I, no, I mean yeah. look when you're given something as a performer to play and mm. I played this character Ryan Packer from Unthinkable Solutions it was a perfect name and they did <laughs> for example they took they tried to make banks more friendly in fact Banks now look like this. Yeah, but they, took, yeah. they took all the glass screens out of banks at a time when people were still dealing in cash in yeah. order to make banks more touchy-feely. And yeah. inevitably there was a, a, a robbery. So they restructured everything and yeah. ruined everything yeah. and then mm. moved on without consequence. I think um, in a way, um, so what I had in that for that show is you do need a philosophy or something. So for me, it wasn't so much the characters as these people know almost no, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. And Ryan Packer in particular, your character, was 100% confident in the 5% knowledge that he had. That's right. Uh, very much a Nadine Dorries before we knew <laughs> yes. who she was. And then, but then weirdly, the culture shifts. And suddenly, you know, we, were, we used the, the, the expression pushing the envelope got a laugh. In yes. 1999, because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a really stupid way of talking. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely idiotic, and yet now for some reason it seems to be completely acceptable um, as a way of talking. Encouraged, yeah. 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 So suddenly it became yeah. like, how did that sneak but in? So these things kind of have their time as well. Mm, so yeah. for me, it was about the philosophy um, yeah. of it and the fact that there were people who I was at university with who were now management consultants, and I was thinking, how can they be management consultants telling people twice their age what's where their company is going wrong. Mm. Um, that seems funny to me. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, anyway, I, family, sorry. But I think I'd just just to, to take that show as an example, uh, even if it isn't a family sitcom that mm. you're writing, you're thinking of something. Um, that you, 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 what are families if, if not kind of, you know, a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing yeah. trying <laughs> to kind of do something, aren't they? Who are, who are trapped yeah. together yeah. only by deciding they're trapped exactly. together. They've they only decided yeah. they're trapped together and you have to give them enough reason to be trapped yeah. together. You can't just put them in prison. You can't just put them in. If you all work in an office together, people leave. But why mm. do they all stay together in the office? Well, in a way, they all sort of love each other. Mm. Uh, mm. That's how you do the American office, is they all really like each other. Yeah, yeah. They laugh at, at Michael now, in the, the original office. They'd laugh at David Brent. They want to see yeah. what he's going to say next. So you build a trap, even if there isn't one. Now, I've got... Uh, we, Structure's we, great, isn't it? It's so great. handy. Yeah. I'd hate to write drama. Sarah, Sarah and I had a little... Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we had a bit of a difference of opinion in, in the dressing room earlier, which maybe uh, you, the audience... <laughs> Yeah. You, the audience, might be able to settle this. I've got a, a chapter in, in my book, which uh, before I'd spoken to Sarah, I knew about this, which is a, about families and, and sitcom. And um, I 
showing it to Sarah and there's a paragraph I had where I talked of uh, the office as like a family and David mm-hmm. Brent as the father and Tim as the mum sort of clearing up the mess and you were you were not having any of that well you, I really? don't think Tim's the mum no? if we again gender terrible oh, gendered roles yeah. what is gender what are gender roles anyway the, the, I think that yeah I personally for me, I don't think the office is that David Brent is not the patriarch of the sitcom because he doesn't drive the stories Tim does it's all Tim Tim is the hero of the thing uh, David is a lovely clown he's never going to he's, he's you have to look after him you know, he's like a baby you follow around clearing up his messes yeah. Dawn's the mum yeah. She's a, she gives you a cuddle. She's a soft place to land. Um, there's lots of you know Tim is like a craftsman patriarch, which you can absolutely yeah. have in your sitcom. I love right, a cra- right. craftsman. Kenny Schmidt's a good craftsman yeah. patriarch. Uh, I feel like uh, it feels like an episode of Question Time oh, yeah. now. I'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get a sense from the audience. What's the uh, you didn't t- yeah. you didn't get a round of applause yeah. for that? So yeah. maybe yeah. I didn't. Uh, David uh, Brent is the dad. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying anymore. It's a weird one because I've done this. I've got like a PowerPoint presentation for this. Okay, so yeah. it's and it's I weird. Like in. I'm in right. charge of it now. Like I've got to look after it. It's you win. Like all theories, it's like you can, you can know the rules and then just not follow them. It's absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. But it's a helpful thing if you like rules. But I did it uh, uh, Arvon where you're like living together for a week uh, for writing, and people spent the rest of the week jumping out from hedges and shouting sitcoms at me, <laughs> as if as if I would be like stumped and go, God, you're right. This doesn't apply. But then they say things like Big Bang Theory, and I'm like, duh. It's really obvious. everyone do the Big Bang Theory in your head now because I don't know the names of the characters. Characters. Yeah. So, but do Shel- the Big Bang Theory. Sheldon and the other guy. There's the yeah. one who's like nice and mm. maternal and cuddly, and there's one who's From like, Roseanne. but like brainy and wants to wants to leave the group. Mm. And then there's one who's the, yeah. I mean, it, it works. It really just applies to everything. And on yeah, a, and Roseanne, Roseanne's the dad. Let's just get over it. It's fine. On a much not now. Level, are people still on board with Big Bang Theory? <laughs> <laughs> Big people watch that. Do we still watch it? I'm curious about it from a from a far less geeky point of view. Just yeah. looking, going, that's a funny one because I remember watching that, going, yeah, all right, and then putting it on one time and just feeling angry within a couple of minutes. <laughs> right. And, yeah. I was, and I can't, I can never put my finger on why that is with certain comedies I watch. Okay. And sometimes you're like. I think it's because you maybe invest a sense of trust in it or something, and then when it doesn't deliver or you maybe you see through something, then you're like, ah, this is cheating, and it's really inappropriate. It's level not of how rage. people are on the the Sheldon character is supposed to be sort of uh, obsessive and nerdy, and then he does things like he categorizes his socks by counting them one by one. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't do that. You'd have a system. You'd, why is he built? That's the one I watched for five minutes. And went, no, well, he's not like no. that at all. He's not I, a nerd. I, I, I would. Um, I mean, the young ones changed everything and, and was you know the most amazing thing and we're, we're, we're probably all here, all here because of it and Neil is the mum I accept mom. that okay but uh, you know have you watched an episode of The Young Ones recently that's not a, not a, uh, an easy watch, really. No, it's, it's, yeah, sure, shows sure. are of their t- shows yeah. can be of their time, and I mean the young was so totally blew everything else away. Uh, it, it, it kind of mm. uh, inevitably that that was never going to be such a. Uh, well, I sh- a, yeah, I showed yeah. it to my kids, hoping oh. they would react to it the same way I had. But obviously, all of the context around it has changed. And mm. one of the things that made the young ones so delightful for me was that I was forbidden from watching it, uh. and, yeah. and it, it was like oh, the forbidden fruit. This is incredible. So good. Yeah. But that bit when Viv comes, the the, the, the good life parody, yeah. and then Viv comes crashing through, and you think, God, that felt so important yeah, at the time. And now, yeah. now it turns out we're rebooting the good life. Because yeah. it turns out we like it more. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, it yeah. makes us feel yeah. something more. Yeah. And we feel like, oh, that's, mm. they're trying well, in the good I remember we talked about that. Ben, ben Elton sort of apologised for that 
that that moment, I think he said, "Oh, you know, it was a different time." But actually, that was a quite a kind of quite an important yeah. moment, yeah, wasn't it? And uh, they were sort of showing the credits of the Good Life, mm. and then Vivian sort of tears through. Yeah. Uh, enough of that. I bloody Incredible. hate that bloody good <laughs> <laughs> bloody Kendall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Rick loves her. I yeah. mean, it's, maybe it's more in the books. You than take in that the, back, Yeah, he writes poems. Felicity, back. Felicity, you mm. fill me with electricity, <laughs> but that does not mean you are shocking. I can do the whole of the young ones. <laughs> Yeah. Bachelor boys. See me afterwards. I've got Blackadder memorised. Um, <laughs> um, not season one, surely. No, not season one. Although it's got some very funny jokes in it, season yeah. one. And Peter Cook. Including my signed statuette of Judas Iscariot, who's always one of my favourite times when he's begging for his life. Um, the reason for this, just going back to Big Bang Theory before we go back to how you guys write together, which would be interesting to get to, I wonder if with the Big Bang Theory the thing that you feel cheated by, and this is where sometimes I feel when I'm reading a script, it has all the rhythm of a comedy, but ultimately it doesn't feel like there's quite enough Ah, uh, yeah, that's fascinating. So I think Big Bang Theory, even when it's not funny, it sounds... You, you have a yeah. I think Fred Barron, it's, it's on got a my rhythm. family, used to call a JLS, which is a joke-like substance. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Have uh, you seen John Mulaney? Sorry to interrupt. Have you seen no. John Mulaney uh, live from Radio City? Okay, no, no. It's a phenomenal piece of stand-up. Absolutely, it's it's where horse in the hospital, the Donald Trump routine where he never says Trump's name uh, comes from. It's a phenomenal piece of work, and even while enjoying it, there were some JLSs in it. (laughs) No doubt, he has an extraordinary speech rhythm, uh, which he does some wumping great jokes with, and then sometimes kind of doesn't, but uses the same speech rhythm and and takes things that are when you analyse them moderately funny into a place of being absolutely hilarious and obviously as someone who I only write in order to perform Mm. I always have uh, I find writing difficult and painful and exhausting um, so I do it in I do it in, in order to perform. No, nothing to do with you. Yeah. I manage that perfectly well on my own. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I've no problem ever with someone delivering far more than is than is there. But I don't know what happened with Big Bang Theory. It yeah. did feel like cheating. Yeah, in terms of it, just feels like it's sort of. Yeah. I guess it's, there's there's a you know it's like the word truthiness is like it has mm. to be based on truth and it was already a little bit dicey to start with and I think if mm. it sort of drifted slightly away well and from, I think they're 40 now aren't yeah, they yeah <laughs> they are are they still students yeah. are they like eternal students sort of trapped yeah. at university yeah, yeah. that's yeah. sort of what happened with friends really wasn't it you know you kind of thought do I like round about yes. series 8 or 9 you sort of think God, do I would I like to be around this kind of weird cult? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No one ever friends leaves. may join the group. Yeah. It's good if you watch it sort of in a horror way, like yeah. like if you if you take out the soundtrack and made it like a dark com. It, mm. Friends is great because they're all terrible, particularly Ross, who's like basically a murderer. Yeah. He's, well, he's sort of shagging his cousin and wearing leather trousers by the last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one <laughs> thing. Speaking of leather trousers, one thing's clear to me about that and a great many other sitcoms <laughs> is they have what's referred to as a magic money tree. Always. They never face very serious money problems. Yeah. And they're yeah. all incredibly rich mm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sit in coffee shops doing nothing. In Manhattan, the most expensive place on <laughs> yeah. earth. In a loft yeah. apartment. Yeah. 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 It is explained, though, that is Monica's grandma's apartment. We're not that, having it. Yeah, I admire the writing yeah. on that front. They do yeah. explain they why do. she's living there in that way. But you'd have sold it, wouldn't you? I mean, that question did occasionally come up when the years I was working on not going out. I mean, there, does, there, there mm. does seem to be a kind of like you have to find £200 suddenly or you get your yes. kneecaps removed or, or something like that. And then, uh, but, uh, you know, the, ma- the money is found, but then a worse mm. problem comes. But it's sort of like 
for me, it's like, oh, God, well, I'm going to find £200. And then it's sort of magic £200 appears. I think that yeah, is... Yeah, as someone who still sitcom writes on a lot going out, I would that. say it's... Uh, yeah, it's, mm. it, it's you, you do... Like, Lee has never really had a surname. Yeah. I think Lucy's had a surname. We did, we, it, it was decided in the in the recent series that Lee had to have some kind of job. And it was yeah, fine that he didn't really have one. Thing, no, because no one cares. Yeah. Turns yeah. out no one cares. They just yeah. want to see a funny family sitcom. Yeah. But Lee had well, to go yeah, out to work and then we sort of go... Yeah, exactly. Mike has a job. We, we, we know roughly what Mike's job we know he works probably in an office. is. But yeah. We know, but we yeah. don't really feel anyone else mm. needs to know. Mike goes to work. We Doesn't know matter. Max works in a library. That yeah. came in handy when we wrote some library-based episodes yeah, of this yeah. series. How um, early did, was that a decision early on then? And I'm just thinking, I'm imagining you two basically on a sitcom writing date. Because um, <laughs> yeah. you were just like, so we're going to do a show together then. Let's both make each other laugh. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah, exactly. exactly that. Yeah. Just sat Very there, much. pushed ideas to yeah. and fro about who they were Marcus right, has a lovely kitchen and he's a very good cook so oh. Marcus makes lovely lunches yeah. and we sit in this kitchen and because it's a show about ethics we tend to pull up like um, the Guardian green pages and see what the thing is so it might be all oh, plastic's a big thing this week and mm. then we combine that with what we want to say sort of emotionally about our family and our characters and how we react we've yeah. made characters who are going to feel differently about things Mike is, is the very food locally sourced yeah exactly it. and if so is that the best thing because yeah, it could it's be that it's, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes, Marcus's lunch is all very locally sourced. I went vegetarian, yeah. he was furious. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> you do out lovely well, mushrooms. Actually. Yeah, you, yeah. Um, yeah. So lot of halloumi. And halloumi. A lot of mushrooms. You, so, halloumi. what are you. Yeah. So, when you got together to write series two, yeah. were you going from. Okay, here are some issues we want mm. to do, or here are some funny scenes, or I just think it would be funny no, if my character it was, had no trousers. It's an yeah. issue. <laughs> it's, an, it's, an, it's an issue effectively. So, but it's not. It's not necessarily. I don't know whether people think of it as an issue. So, one of the episodes in this we'd addressed in the first series that Max, the mum, has been keeping a library open because the council came to close it, and she said no. Which is a real thing that happens. They're called community libraries. Yeah. People just like, and they get Occupy involved. They people squat in libraries. Danger of squatters living in libraries, just running libraries based on donations. So it's yeah, really, and it. that's what we're yeah. libraries. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah. really punk yeah. and really sort of lovely in community at the same yeah. time. And that is exactly that what they are. I mean, yeah. you're, you're looking at you know people who who squat in buildings that ought to have tenants in any way. Going, oh, by the way, if you want to do this, this is how you do this, and they help each other yeah. and they, they keep fix a resource the plumbing open and they, for the community. Yeah, they keep yeah. Them love. Yeah. So that seemed like a very good episode and also a very pleasing way to introduce Maxine's mum, who was a Greenham Common protester, which oh. is where Max was conceived. And no, <laughs> no one's sure how uh, or by who. So that was a, a, a nice way to yeah. bring her in as this sort of the old face of what protest was in the in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. And then, you know, played things, wonderfully by Lisa Tarbert, by yeah, the way. Incredible. She is so great. Because yeah. the series one we had Mike's parents who were sort of you know they're my parents uh, right? yeah they're sort of the characters are sort of loosely based on our cartoon like dynamic between yeah. us where Marcus is very posh and I'm very working class and he cooks lovely food and I pot around the garden smoking rollies and <laughs> and, uh, and I'm green because I'm poor and, chops, and I'm, Jared I'm green because it, it's the thing yeah because yeah, you're I'm good because you're a good person green because yeah. you feel guilty yeah so yeah. you can buy a Prius and I drive a car that's the same age as Firestarter yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which one of us is more green hard to say um, it's definitely yeah. you it's no, I don't think it is yeah this, these are the kind of conversations we have yeah. and um, there's a nice so, so, there's a so nice Ke sorry Kerry, Kerry Godlyman is sort of based on, on on sort of my version of me and and, yeah. and, and, uh, and she's brilliant and so deciding who our mum was going to be was a lot of fun yeah it? no it's great yeah. 
great. It was great. And there's a whole bunch of stuff, weirdly, that we know about that we find very funny that we've not yet written, like yeah. how they how they met. Mm-hmm. So they met at a pulp oh, concert. Yeah. Um, God, and so Mike, much, there's none of it's in the show. Mike it was, so was dancing to um, Common People and singing along and <laughs> spilled Maxine's pint and she explained to him at length why he was the only person who couldn't sing along with Common People. <laughs> he was wearing a gilet. He wasn't allowed. He was wearing a gilet. He was very apologetic and ended up buying drinks for Max, Max and her friends all night. Right. And, and that was it. So these are things that we know that, that delight us and actually they're a little kind of touches of, of, of that not of the story but just of knowing those things yeah and when you know those things we haven't the, done them deliberately yeah, even yeah. as a kind of oh this is our backstory it's just it pleases us to kind of know what those things are yeah. but it it's takes a lot nice. of it takes a lot of chat isn't it and an awful, yes. an awful lot is yes. left behind yeah and it's always a question of just especially with ethics because mm. um, we start from the point of view of saying well they're not right for mm. a kickoff, they're not correct, but they are trying mm-hmm. to. I suppose the best way to put it might be cause the least harm to the le- to the to the fewest number fewest of number of people. Exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, and we've been able to address an interesting thing in the in the most recent series, uh, which is about uh, basically about plastic use mm. and uh, you know disposable plastic, blah blah blah. But the I don't even want to say it's the B plot in the episode, but the other plot at work in the episode is that Maxine's mum declares that when she's 80, uh, she's going to go. She's, wow. After she's 80, she said, things, she says, I, I don't want to bloody live forever. I'm not an espresso pod. <laughs> <laughs> things should have a lifespan and they should go. And she points out things like the uh, 80% of your NHS spend occurs in the final two years of your life. Right. And, uh, and so what we're able to do with the family is have Maxine absolutely devastated mm. by how that feels. And her mum, who's got a lifetime in being a protester, talk about it at arm's length and go, no, it's just the right thing it's to ethics. do. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I won't yeah. say how we... How we yeah. do, you have to listen, because I'm really, really proud of, yeah. what, of what we've mm-hmm. built there. But it was, a, and for and me, Carrie a far more interesting together, yeah. thing than wagging a finger and going, "What? Well, stop using plastic oh, straws. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was sort of spurred from all those Guardian articles that are like, yeah. oh, family gave up plastic for a week and no, oh, and yeah. then they drove to five different supermarkets yeah. to buy cheese. And you're like, that's not helping. <laughs> yes. That's, exactly. it, you're, it's sort of Instagram helping where you take a picture yeah. and go look at my avocado yeah. and then it's like, where, where, yeah. yeah. But don't, don't you think, I mean, there is more of a sense actually of pe- people are becoming more extreme i think there's more of a kind of division in the in the country and it, it sort of yeah. feels like nor that actually there, there there's a sort of uh, uh, i am i am right and you are wrong we know so. far too much about each other yes yeah. this is my theory on this um we simply know too much about each other i mean you know pre-internet you might know what your mates voted for come a general election. You probably would. You'd have talked about it. You might know what their best film is. Yeah. You might know what, what poster they had on their wall if you were at uni with them. Yeah. But that's about it. Now, yeah. I know what you had for lunch. I know what you're working on. I know how your children are. I know what you believe passionately. I know what things you've not been able to resist making a grand statement about, even yeah. if it's not. And so, and we're trying now, all of us, to to uh, navigate uh, this 
thing where we just know absolutely everything about each other. And Sarah and I have, I would say, massive ethical overlap. And then a few things where we're like, mm, no. And we've, actually, <laughs> yeah. and we've had to, you know, we've bumped up against it quite rightly in our little two yeah. people in a writer's yeah. room thing and, and go, okay, this particular thing, let's park that over there and leave that the hell alone. Because, it's, because yes. and actually, the, the, some of them are, th- are the types of things that come up with this, we know too much yeah. about each other. And that makes ethics far more difficult. Yeah. You know, I mean, Brexit's the lightning rod, isn't it? And I, I have Brexit, concluded. So that was tricky. That's I a have, that's joke. Uh, <laughs> I retract that joke. I have concluded, <laughs> and I know it's wrong. Uh, the, uh, and I really do intellectually obviously know it's wrong that those still in support of of coming out of the European Union that there's something wrong with them <laughs> there is something wrong with those people there's some pathology at work or worse or maybe they're just evil yeah. maybe they're just wicked and I'm like that's a stupid thing to say a stupid thing to believe you know mm. I mean I'll go so far as to say there are some people who've concealed their reasons for either being for or against Brexit and that you know concealing your reasons I, I think it's legit to point and go yeah no you're a bad one you are but outside of that, yeah, it's a it's a big problem. Right. That, isn't well, it? if anyone's still listening to this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. luckily, fifty two percent, no, forty eight percent of the listeners. Yeah. Are well, actually, James, you've lost less than half. Actually. You've lost so much weight over the last few months that I think the fifty two forty eight is actually swinging in uh, yeah. my direction uh, now. I, mean, so, um, I was say you yeah. do look very well. Well, bless you, thank well you. Um, yeah. Sometimes people say you look well when they've actually put on quite a lot of weight. You look yeah. well, like Henry the Eighth looked well. <laughs> Yes. Uh, the good life yes. <laughs> not that good yeah. life sorry so, um, just sort of rounding this sort of bit off then in terms of it, it sounds like you've learned a lot from each other mm. I, I mean it sounds like Marcus you've learned a lot from Sarah in terms of structure and that kind of thing oh yeah um, what else have you learned from each other that you maybe do slightly differently yeah. what now do you than think you Sarah that you have got from God I mean I'm just you know I'm, I've always I've been a fan for a very long time so I'm just I'm very happy to kind of take the Marcus is a brilliant comedian and he's very passionate and and it's a joy to butt heads with him when we disagree on stuff and then work out where the overlap is and talk about how we make that funny and how we present that as not just someone as we, we call it Ted talking when when when, uh, when the first draft of any episode of the Wilsons looks a bit like a Ted talk right. where it's just someone saying what we reckon right. in okay. a long paragraph block and then we sort of work out how to make that funny and how to make that but it's the, the it's, and it like is, have a plot and stuff yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so, I so mean, a lot of yeah. my stand-ups now yeah <laughs> I've never had to bother with moving it on from just being a TED yeah, talk. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> but that's stand. I mean, I, I'm not a stand-up, and I'm in awe of stand-up. I think stand-ups um, are fantastic, and I've never done it myself. And I and I'm absolutely in awe of people who can do it. And it's no, it's it's we. I think we work really well. We are the original odd couple in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> We're very very yeah. different, but it makes means we make a really. Uh, hopefully, we make a show talking about ethics yeah. that will be yeah. a reflection of how the listener is listening to it without being sort of a big yeah. lecture. I mean, we structure it like the American shows where at the end they sort of sum up what you've just seen. Um, as I, was, I couldn't remember the name Jeff Winger early on, but Jeff in Community does a lovely Jeff speech at the end of every community. And we try and do that. We try and make it interesting. Like last series we had Catelyn Moran do the the big sort of summing up speech. And this episode we've got Lisa, the series what Lisa Tarbuck doing a couple. Yeah. We've got Lola, um, a fabulous actress called India who, who oh, is 10 so and she's so good. I mean, the kids are amazing yeah. in our show. They're such good actors. They read straight off the page. And, well, and, and bring, bring stuff. Bring stuff. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Maya, who's like, 
like yeah. 16 or something uh, who plays, who plays joke, Cat. Yeah. yeah, we'd written a joke about her <laughs> asking her parents for a um, for a Rizzle Kicks tattoo on her neck. <laughs> and she was really sweet about it. She She's said so after sweet. the table read, she went, um, just so you know, guys, Rizzle Kicks haven't actually released anything for three years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we were so happy with that reference. Yeah, we were yeah, like, oh, Radio great. 4 listeners, they'll just think yeah. that sounds like a funny yeah, word. And she was yeah. like, could we make it something else? And the, she suggested a much better band with a funnier song name. And we're like, this is... This is yeah, good. yeah, yeah. They're yeah. great, the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's an interesting thing for me anyway about this, which is, you know, I mean, ostensibly it's a show about a family being ethical. But, it ever, uh, you know, I noticed when it was written up, you know, this is coming out before it was released. A lot of people went, oh, yeah, of course it is. Guardian. Yeah. <laughs> All of this kind of stuff. And what's nice for me about it is there isn't anybody in it genuinely who I don't love. Mm. So the next door neighbours called BMW yeah. Paul. Played by my Wozniak, brilliant. And, uh, yes. and I oh, absolutely so adore him. Yeah. He, and he's like he's a really great guy. Yeah. He's he's talking about the the, the, the plastics thing and, and, and going on about that and saying, uh, saw this. Um, who's who's the whispering chap on the uh, on the on the telly? Attenborough, that's him. I, anyway, I was watching this, this documentary about a about a about a tortoise with straws in its nose and its bum. <laughs> and, uh, Mike's as much. It's a turtle. Pretty sure it was a tortoise, Mike. And he, just, <laughs> he just has a lovely way yeah. of, of, of driving yeah. it on. And even when you're writing, you know, BMW Paul is actually he's very benign but he's mm. our family's buddy right yeah. mm. he's certain of everything and our family is never certain of never anything certain they're of never certain they're right they're ditherers and someone like BMW Paul is seductive because yeah. he comes mm. in and he just knows what he reckons and he's yeah. really confident yeah. he's really happy and the same um, like Rupert van der Sitt who, who like plays Mike's dad who's <laughs> yes. the guy from Four Weddings who says uh, might see if I can go and find that cake oh, yeah. <laughs> right I think I was in there yeah. um, nice yeah. smell bless him yeah, yeah nice smell yeah. yeah I was at school with his brother buggered me sense that's taught me a thing or two about life though <laughs> um, uh, he's a great great guy and actually uh, it's interesting I mean I sort of have to say this because this is in our thing but it happens to be true within that range that he's been cast only mm. ever to play yeah. he is utterly mm. brilliant and my guess is more than capable of doing a million other things mm, yeah. and the poor bug has never been asked to yeah. but um, there was a lovely thing in the first series with uh, where Mike had been called a snowflake and um and his dad actually delivered this really wonderful speech about saying, uh, oh, I looked up that snowflake thing and uh, it's sort of people who care about things, isn't it? That seemed pretty solid to me. Yeah. And it was very, very loving. Yeah. And he can be he can be awful, but the, the parents could be monsters, but very loving. And I, I thought, It's good to love your characters, whether you yeah, agree you with them entirely yeah, or yeah. not. If you, yeah, I think if you yeah. can't get there yeah. with that, actually, yeah. then uh, for me, I'm probably writing the wrong thing. Hello, James here. Hope you're enjoying this slightly mammoth but celebratory episode of Sitcom Geeks. And we're very grateful to Marcus Brigstock and Sarah Morgan for joining us. Just wanted to mention that Sarah Morgan has her own podcast called The Fear, where funny people talk about their greatest fears. Do go and search for that one and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I don't know how many of you have listened to all 100. If you have, maybe you'd consider supporting the show via Patreon, where lots of goodies await you, including Patreon-only podcasts, so you can get more than 100, including our new series, which is uh, about to be released, called Soup to Nuts, where we create a new sitcom from scratch before your very ears. 
Also, if you've listened to all 100 episodes, do send us an email and tell us. Um, email sitcomgeeks at gmail.com and tell us what you've liked and what you want more of. We're also on Twitter and Facebook as Sitcom Geeks. Dave's new book, The Complete Comedy Writer, is available on his website, davecohen.org.uk. And you can pre-order my book, The Sacred Art of Joking, out in January via my website, jamescary.co.uk. Carey is spelt C-A-R-Y, as in Cary Grant, not George Carey. If you'd like to see us live, um, you can uh, do that in January at the Chortle Funny Book Festival, which is taking place at the British Library. We're going to be there doing a live show with an exciting guest talking about their favourite sitcom, and we will put that name of that guest up on that Facebook page uh, and on Twitter when that's all confirmed. And we'll also be at the Leicester Comedy Festival on the 14th of February or the 15th or something like that. That's um, outside London, I know. Incredible. Do uh, go and look on our Facebook page for more information on that too. But let's get back to our recording of our 100th episode at the Museum of Comedy. More Marcus and Sarah in a few minutes. But first, we have a bonus guest in the form of Aaron from the British Comedy Guide, who've been good enough to host our web host, our podcast, and have been very kind to us from day one. And they have some exciting new products coming down the pike that um, Aaron's going to explain to you, as he did on the night. And then we'll get back to the interview with Marcus and Sarah. Marcus will have to also run off just before the end, so we get Sarah to ourselves for a minute or two before we wrap things up in this mega episode. Okay, back to the Museum of Comedy. And uh, we're welcoming um, from the British Comedy Guide, please welcome Aaron. Um, you may see the name many times, but um, but you don't see the man very often. I'm, th- I'm now getting self-conscious whether to call you Aaron or Aaron. Aaron. You're an Aaron. You are an Aaron. But it is okay. written Aaron. It's, it's a double Aaron. A. It's, a, it's double A. No, this it is, is your biblical uh, okay, training, yeah, no, no. Yeah. In, the, yes. in Moses's, Moses's brother. Moses's brother was, yes. was, was Aaron. Was That's Aaron. how I yeah. pronounce it. But you are yeah. Aaron and will yes. forever be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very much the upgrade. Aaron 2.0. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, why don't you tell us about um, British, so the British Comedy well, Guide um, host this podcast. They have it on their servers and they faithfully put it up. Um, and do the blurb and all that kind of... Well, you write the blurb, don't you, Dave? But um, they... They make it happen, which is very kind of them. Um, but they offer lots more, and there's more to come from the British Comedy Guide. Why don't you tell us a bit about what, what the plan is? We've, for uh, a long time now, had a section specifically for writers, primarily, um, and forums for writers and performers. And increasingly now, of course, with uh, more and more stuff being produced online, producers, directors, filmmakers. Um, and we are now expanding that significantly uh, with a whole new section called BCG Pro. Um, this is... I think we should all go, ooh. 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 Yeah. Thank you, James. Yeah. So that is yeah. quite apt. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is uh, backed up by uh, about a past decade's worth of work we've been doing, recording meticulous, ridiculous amounts of data, um, credits, production companies, commissioners, executives. Far um, more thorough than IMDb, frankly, isn't it? I mean, you really do. When I need to check uh, by royalty 
payments from various uh, royalty companies, I always ha- uh, have to go to the British Comedy Guide to check what I check what shows, what episode of what show I wrote on. Yes, and, yeah. and, uh, yeah. it's course, that level of detail. Yeah. Of course, we do cover radio as well, which yes. IMDb yeah. certainly doesn't. Yeah, there you go. Um, Splitters. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so BCG Pro uh, is a new suite of tools for uh, both comedy aspirants and professionals. I hope there's a good smattering of both of you in the audience. I like that suite um, of tools. Suite of tools. <laughs> I'm going to use that sometime. Uh, so there are, there are three different subscription packages available depending on where you are in your career. So there's a, a range of uh, features within BCG Pro for everyone. There's the Opportunities Hub which lists uh, competitions and the like, all those talent contests and, you know, finding new writers and things that you see uh, from various organisations across the year. Um, And that will also enable you to post and to find opportunities with other like-minded people such as yourselves. Uh, There is uh, Skills Academy, uh, which we'll be building up with lots of bespoke training and informative guides on range of subjects. Uh, I, uh, Dave is kind of going to be uh, helping us with a little bit of that. Um, uh, and that, that will be more interactive, <laughs> interactive tutorials, um, guiding you through quite in-depth in some places, different aspects of uh, comedy. And again... There'll be different things for different people. So I know uh, most of people listening to this and in the room tonight will be writers, but there'll be stuff, whether you're a performer or a filmmaker or anything in between. Can I just sort of again pick up, Sarah, which do you prefer, writing on your own or writing with a partner? Oh, I like both. I think I think they're both... I would. I'm really happy when my week is split down the middle on that they're front. I love. They're ways. both fulfilling absolutely different things. I love, I love that my... Career is at the stage where I'm not always on my own, having ideas and firing them out into the universe, yeah. the cold, empty universe. But I also would go mad if I didn't just get to sit in my pajamas and just yeah. put it all down by myself first. So yeah, I think I think the perfect ba- for for me the, the perfect balance is a bit of both. Yeah, mm. it's like you were saying earlier, if you could make the person sitting next to you laugh, yeah. then that's all right. You've already made yeah. a person laugh, which is kind of the, but you've also got to get the to confidence do. to know that your what you've written is a thing. Yeah, yeah. that's that's also really important. But yeah, if you like sitting in your pajamas writing on your own, then yeah. then sitcom mm. writing is the job for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. So Sometimes. then the top the top tier of of BCG Pro for full time, you know, comedy professionals, uh, we are launching full uh, profiles in much the same vein as you might have already seen uh, guides to our uh, TV, film, radio coverage, and these will include. These can include your credits, biography, um, all sorts of data that would help uh, maybe casting directors or stand-up bookers uh, find you and find your relevant talents for whatever project they're looking for Um, and basically to control your presence on comedy.co.uk. Great. There's also Inside Track, a library of feature content, including articles, videos, and podcasts where, where A-list names are sharing their wisdom with you. We've got 
a great selection of content already built up and that will continue to grow throughout 2019, 2020, as long as you're all subscribing. Uh, uh, there will also be networking opportunities and we are launching our own set of talent awards to highlight and celebrate the best new creatives. We want some moves back. There you go. The thing I like most about British Comedy Guy, which is why it's worth just thinking about, you know, doing doing one of those three things is the fact that what I love about you guys is that you lo you love comedy. Uh, which I know sounds a bit crazy. Yeah. But actually lots of people in there are lots of people who get in the way who love the idea of being a writer rather than writing. Mm. And there are lots of people who want to work in the media and they've ended up in comedy. And you just think, why? Are you, why are you? You're just in the way now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think also, I mean, it's a, it's a rule of life generally, is also, I mean, not even Remainers, sorry, not even Brexiteers or whatever. No one <laughs> thinks, no one thinks they're the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, sure. Know, everyone. Yeah, and, yeah. and actually, usually, um, and it seems to me that I wrote a blog post a year or two ago where it said, Previously, you used to have an idiot in a sitcom, mm. and now you seem to have some kind of sociopath, um, mm, and yeah. it seems very. And I've never, never really liked that. There's a lot yeah. of sociopathic comedy mm. going around the place. I mean, it's mm. very, um, very fashionable in yeah. sitcom, and I like yeah. a lot of those shows okay. where no one's likable. But okay. I couldn't write one. I don't mm. think. I mean, okay. I could try, but I would still end up. I sort of have to fall in love with whatever I'm writing. Mm. Like I wrote a, a Cracker Nori episode, and they sort of. Suggested that they wanted to do one about barbershop quartets. This, this sounds really weird, but I'm going somewhere. Trust me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, barbershop that meant nothing to me. I was like, well, that's just a load of white blokes singing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and so I went deep on it because I just went deep on the research. And all of a sudden, I found myself falling in love with barbershop because there's this thing called the magic, the fifth note, the angel's voice that they make. And I'm like, well, that's there's four men working together to make magic in a room. And then I read about racism within it. And 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 by the end of it, I was so obsessed by barbershop. My husband got me tickets to go and see a gay barbershop quartet for my birthday because I was so in love with barbershop quartet and I think the more you get to know a person or a thing you have mm. to I mean as a comedy writer you go really deep on research you end up having to fall in love with it a little bit yeah that's no. very deep isn't it no, no, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. but you can also write oh he's a wanker Jeff next door and there's loads of people who do write that stuff and it's very popular but yeah. it's not for me I, mean, I like watching it but who, it's not for me, you, yeah. you get someone who tries to write a character and uh, I mean obviously it goes going back a long time now for someone like sort of uh, Alf Garner but mm. you know maybe when uh, when Harry Enfield was writing uh, loads of money, yeah. or when uh, when Al Murray does does the pub landlord, and, and it's like, however hard, however hard you try to make this person. In, in your mind, mm. dislikable. There, there are elements that a lot of people that that, that becomes a hero, and, yeah. and, and Johnny yeah, yeah. Spate was very uh, uh, sort of all, upset with, by that. With but, some yeah. of that stuff, I mean, I, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm's an interesting mm. one for me in that. I've met people who, who've said they've binge-watched that. And I can't watch two yeah. in a row. Yeah. I really enjoy one yeah. once in Same. a while, but it's mm. too spicy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And maybe I'm too soft and old, yeah. but it's too spicy for me. I'm yeah. like, I absolutely adored that, and that is plenty, thank you very much. <laughs> right. I much prefer the rhythm of Seinfeld to Kirby yeah. Enthusiasm. Feels like mm. Kirby Enthusiasm feels like, we were talking about it. Yes, 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 yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly you looked at me in a way that just thought yeah, we weren't yeah, even talking yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, but it feels like... Kirby enthusiasm is like um, 
we've plotted an episode and some people are standing around talking in a funny yes. sort of yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can fill in the blanks yourself, audience, because you know how all this kind of yeah. goes. Mm. And it's us. And it's us. And I'm just like, yeah. mm, could you write the funniest version of the joke, please? Mm. So yeah, I would yeah, take yeah. George Costanza yeah. over Larry David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Well, George is always lower status. Yeah. He's yeah. always yeah. the loser. No, I love it. Yeah. It's like, George, yeah, George yeah. is I also... George. I, I mean, George, Draped in velvet. He is, he is Larry, but he, he's... <laughs> but the, 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 the odd coupleness of George and Jerry together... That, that there is a there is a kind of warmth uh, and to, to that relationship that when it's just George on his own, i.e. Larry David, there's kind of nothing. There's, there's, it, it's all. Did you watch Julia Dreyfus give her speech in acceptance of her Mark Twain Award, <laughs> which is right. I- extremely funny and and very sweet, and I, it, it's it's well worth a watch for lots of reasons, but particularly <clears throat> when she gets to the end because she's been very funny about everybody who she's worked with, and she is funny about Jerry Seinfeld as well but the point at which she talks about how hard Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David worked Mm. to establish that sitcom and then doubled down on the amount of work they were doing once it was up and running and uh, she's quite choked at the end uh, just for that that brief moment it's it's really lovely it's a great speech there was a lovely just going to George Costanza one one of the first episodes I saw where I just thought oh I love this show it's such a tiny little thing it was where George and Jerry are waiting for someone. I think it's even the first series of four episodes. Mm. And they're waiting for someone, and George ba- Jerry says to George, "What don't you want this person to turn up? And George says, I've never wanted anyone to turn up. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, oh, wow, that's me. The central joke alone. of Curb is a brilliantly solid one. What if you're the loser... Yeah. What if you're the schlub, you're George, you yeah. never gets anything, and all of a sudden you are a huge success, you have everything yeah, you ever no, wanted, you have all the money and fame and girls and everything, and in life is still shit. Yeah. It's a yeah. brilliant it joke. It is brilliant. It's yeah. a brilliant joke. Yeah. But mm. yeah, I, I, you, you can't watch. Let's, no, sure. So let's go back. So um, so you've written a studio audience mm. sitcom, which yes. frankly could be a TV show. There's Thank no you. Really, it's it's really, it really should be. But I mean, I mean good, good luck. Because everyone seems to be terrified of studio sitcoms, um, include especially family-based ones. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? Do you think? I mean, we've lost. Have we lost our nerve? What, in your estimation, what? It's so hard to or? know, isn't it? It's, it's, it's all just a, it's all just a mess. Because this is a problem sorry, before this Brexit. Not a very good answer. <laughs> yeah. No, but it is just a mess, unfortunately, and it, it's. Um, I listened to a thing on the radio the other day and I'm trying to remember who the hell it was. It was someone quite unexpected uh, talking about it and he talked about the champagne bar at St Pancras. Right. What he was talking about, in essence, was um, market research. Right. And he said if you ask people what they want from a station, they would say access, they would say efficient trains, clear signage and stuff like that. Yeah. They would never in a million years say the longest champagne bar in Europe. And in essence, for anyone who commutes, of course, that's absurd. Mm. But uh, have a look on uh, TripAdvisor yeah. at the millions of people who've gone... This was incredible. It was like absolute highlight of my trip. And yeah. it, what it, anyway, the reason I mention it is that I think this complaint has been around for a long time now, but I think too much stuff is commissioned backwards. Yeah. Mm, and I don't absolutely. know how they could avoid that now because there are just more of us going, my thing, my thing, my thing. Yeah. So they need a system. 
and the system in my view is a bit broken because mm. what else are you going to do you have to sort of go i don't know we've got thousands and thousands of people all want to write a script here we've got to have some criteria well mm. let's uh, let's ask the audience what mm. they want and as soon as you get into that it's like school testing, isn't it? Mm. As soon as you're into it, then you have to do it more and more and more and more and more. <laughs> and issues about, you know, representation, quite mm. rightly, are mm. also considered mm. in, in all of this. Yeah. But all of it, the sum total of it, is... Yeah. Also, why, why are you writing a sitcom about a family? Is it because you've got a brilliant family that you've observed or you've built in your head and you love and you've created mm. or because a commissioner told you that they want more studio sitcoms and so therefore write a family sitcom? And, and if you've yeah. done, if, it's back to the whole thing of falling in love with the thing. If you're writing something cynically, you might get it made. You, you know, there might be 10 mm. people in a room going like, none of us really like Mrs. Brown's Boys, but let's try and do another one, which is happening all the time. They're not going to do it because whatever you think of Mrs. Brown's Boys, the people who make it love it. They yeah. are in love with their show. They love their family. They love what they've built there, and it comes off the screen. Yeah. And if you're writing a sitcom because someone's told you we've got to have a vehicle for this person or whatever, it's just not going to be. You're going to smell it. People smell mm. insincerity a mile off. Well, and maybe that's yeah. The, the, going back to the Big Bang Theory, you just think this. This seems to <laughs> that the cameras are pointing in the right direction and they're saying stuff that sounds funny, but it's just not. Mm. And it feels like they're doing series ten because they did mm. series nine mm. yeah. rather than we still have stuff to say. Yeah, but yeah, isn't yeah. there um, also you know, an element? It's a nice problem to have, I yeah, suppose. Sure, isn't yeah. It? Yeah. I think there's also an element that uh, we, we we have talked a lot before about how the writer performer now is much more uh, mm. uh, in, in vogue than writers. Uh, <coughs> they're, a bit, they're being writers and performers now. The writer performer is is king or queen, uh, but with you know very few exceptions. You're you're one of them, Marcus and Lee uh, Mac is another. Most of them tend to be uh, they, they've got one thing and that's their that's whatever it is about them mm. and then that that's the kind of they can do that to an audience and they, they can do it brilliantly and better than anyone else so you get that you could get you know that that's as much audience sitcom as they have in them yeah. i think but but there are more I, I i mean there are other writer performers who can act who could do something else who can stretch themselves a bit like you know you mm. can be ryan Packer. yeah and, yeah and, nobody you know, should wait for a change where this is concerned mm. do not wait for a change there isn't one coming in yeah. my opinion yeah. I really don't think so because I think again the way in which people consume um, clips now yeah. of, of everything means that the person who's who's in vogue uh, at any given moment is really the only thing people want because they've had it they've had it not just yeah. in their home but on their phone and then shared it with their friends and their sharing of the thing that they didn't make, I sent you this, gives them credibility. Mm. That's how all of these things work. So it's going to remain wrapped around, this person's in vogue, so we need to build around that person. And, you know, the bookings in comedy clubs um, absolutely work like this. I mean, if you look at, at the places stand-ups can go, or people who play stand-up clubs, uh, whatever they may be now, um, they're asking for TV name, TV credit. Yeah. We've got to have that. We've got to have that. People want that recognition. So don't wait for a change. Um, I would say if anybody is involved in writing, embrace it. Try and figure out who's next and write something for them. Mm. You are the change. It's always a great idea. It's always good to yeah. have someone in your head. Well, we do, actually. Yeah. That's an interesting yeah. thing. I mean, we've written right, several so of our characters yeah. uh, with a cast in mind. Mm. Uh, who then didn't play the part and it didn't matter in the slightest. Yeah. Mm. 
No, and we and, and, and the and the casting that happened was oh exactly. my god, they're bringing a whole new level of other yeah. stuff to it, and it's been amazing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But it's worth having. Yeah, if you have a cast in mind, you can sort of hear the voice talking exactly. and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what we're thinking about. I mean, there's uh, just coming back to that family sitcoms thing. Uh, um, Richard Curtis did a, that. Um, I think Channel Four producing a sort of podcasty type thing and. I, I I like Richard very much. He he's he he seems to have no cynicism in him. But he talked about Love Actually. And he said, "Look, I know there's a lot wrong with my films. I, I really, that, really, really do. Mm. Thank you. Pivotal scene. Pivotal scene. <laughs> but he he said, if I if someone writes a film about someone who's come back from a war with PTSD and they shoot a pregnant nurse." <laughs> That will be described as gritty realism. Yeah. But it's incredibly rare. Yeah. But what isn't rare is people fall in love mm. every day. It All different kinds of unexpected people. And there are different aspects of love, actually, that infuriate different people. And yeah. You know, obviously, I, I, I was lucky enough to be in one scene in it, so I, I have, have felt close to it and protective about oh, it. Oh, it's not Christmas till I've seen you. Well, like, well, it's quite. It's, it's Christmas when Marcus yeah. pops up into being Bill Nye. to that is, <laughs> is, in my view, absolutely bang on. Yeah. Bang on, and there's no cynicism in it. There really isn't. It's like, no, these weird things happen. They do happen all of the time. And I do feel a bit like that about sort of family sitcoms or stuff that's recognisable. I'm like... Mm. I hope they. I hope they will find, obviously for our show. Yeah. But you know, I hope they will find space to commission that stuff because that is what's happening, and it is more interesting for me than whatever else it might yeah. be, Ozark or whatever, which is great. I love it. You know, uh, um, Breaking Bad, love it, fantastic, very funny, brilliant sitcom. Um, but it's yeah, it's a million miles away. I mean, I'm weird about all this anyway. I started a few years ago asking friends of mine whether they'd ever held a gun oh. and the vast majority said no uh, and, and if they had it had been once and then said how many hours of film have you watched where the entire plot was altered completely by someone just holding a gun never mind firing it it's ridiculous yeah. how much of that we watch and how little of, of stuff that oh, that's what we want escape often but how little of stuff that looks or feels anything like the lives we lead yeah. Yeah. and the Wilsons feels like the life I lead yeah, a no, lot it of the time does. and yeah. I love that yeah. yeah no you should be very it. proud of it oh, it's yeah. oh it's lovely <laughs> yeah I just uh, actually I uh, just keep uh, talking about the Wilsons now for series two I mean you mentioned the class thing now I mean mm. class has always been such it's a class <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Class, right? <laughs> class. I didn't realise it had an R in it. Sorry, Marcus. <laughs> class. class. Marcus. Um, that's, uh, that, and that has always been like a, a staple of, of British sitcoms. Uh, yeah. Is there is there more of that coming in the in the next in this? Only because we've introduced because we it was it's a lovely pairing with uh, Marcus and Kerry Godlingman make a lovely husband and wife. They do because they yeah. are um, they're coming at the same issues from very different angles which is you know you if you're did she go for you as a younger man after Jack D from <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. I think so yeah, yeah cool, cool she's played a lot of wives we give her lots of jokes though so that's good I haven't oh, seen yeah. her she's, yeah, she's, yeah. 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 the lion's share 
Yeah. You gave her the, one of the best jokes. I was really, I was, I was so chuffed on you. You were just like, I, it was like the funniest, you know. Anyway, yeah, but out, it was a really out, good joke, and I was like, Marcus should have that because it's a really no, funny. No, out joke. of the right was, mouth, no, the you, best you, joke is served by is. the best person yeah. to do it in any at any given I didn't moment. I sound surprised. You no, but the that's the of funny, but that does time. happen, doesn't yeah. it? And I, I think yeah. if. I think if I watched some sitcom and some comedy films from that point of view and went, hang on a minute, what if someone else had that line? I mm. bet there's hundreds of, of instances. I'm trying to think of just one now which would back up this point, and I can't. Anyway, but it was, but we, we interrupted about, yeah. about class. Just, just class. I take, I take class as well because I'm from the West Country. Right. So, okay. class, mate. Class. Class, mate. Class. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's... Um, but yeah, we do play with that. We do. It's fun. It's a fun... Mm. We'd like to sort of sit into slightly cartoonish roles and we'd come at the issues mm. from, from different angles. And so in the in the first series, we had um, Ma uh, Marcus's Mike's parents, mm. who are Vicky Pepperdine and uh, Rupert Van Der Sitt. Sitt. Yeah. And uh, mm. in this series, we've got um, Carrie's mum is Lisa Tarbert. Mm. And it's just... it's Once you know your characters and you imagine why they are the way they are, who raised them, mm. it's really good fun. You, Exactly, and uh, you know, there are all sorts of spaces now where we're shining a brighter light on what's okay to laugh about. And I think mm. that's I think that's progress, mm. actually, even though sometimes as a writer you're like, oh, come on. Um, <laughs> but I hope that we don't give up on continuing to write about class. Yeah. Because it would be a dereliction of duty, for one thing, and it would be ignoring something that is so hard woven into the fabric of society in, mm. in the UK mm. where class is a massive issue and it, but but it's not it's not divisive particularly in that I, I don't or just at least people I hang out with it you know it's not that you'd sort of keep people at arm's length or stick with your own or anything like that but it you know a, a person's class in the UK is a is a great big hat yeah, and and, 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 you, and you, in that you can see it from a mile off, like yeah. all good hats. Yeah, mine, ha mine has feathers in it. You know, yeah. when I've enjoyed, yeah. I've enjoyed throughout my career pointing at the feathers in my hat, going, "Aren't these mad?" And I'm not ashamed of it. And we've actually, there's a there's a line or two that Mike has when he's talking about libraries, and Maxine has spit, has spent all of her time protecting and defending the library and Mike eventually confesses he'd never been in a library before he met her and she's don't be so silly and he went well I, I had but not one that was open to the public <laughs> <laughs> and he's not uh, Mike is no posher than I am right okay because that's also true of me okay mm -hmm. right it's most of the, the right most thing. of the people I know and I grew up with and therefore the majority of people who are certainly in ministerial positions but most of the MPs yeah a public library will never have been necessary in their lives. Yeah. Never. Yeah. They'll have been in some libraries, but they were in their friends' houses. Yeah. And they'll have had uh, they'll have had uh, a staircase on wheels to yeah. push round. Yeah. And if you don't, the, the fat leather books. They didn't, at the top, they didn't have right? a sort of mini yeah. Dewey system of uh, yeah. library. And no, they just knew these ones have got our family in. These ones haven't. But genuinely, I mean, that's that's the sort of stuff class-wise yeah. that's really fun to yeah. to unpack for us. Yeah. And to not Matt, judge that character, but to, for that to be a useful plot point in the episode and, right, yeah. where it's just like you can go oh what a posh banker he's got nothing to say no actually it's an incredibly useful plot point in yeah. Yeah. and, and Max love gets the character to be, a bit more for it Max end. gets yeah. to be horrified by it yeah. and really upset and take it out on Mike and say it actually is people like you that mm. shut down libraries yeah. and Mike Mike has just not much to say until yeah. until it becomes very useful. Mm. Yeah, so yes, it's definitely uh, 
a, a really good and really interesting way of looking at things yeah. because also because that's how that's how the world be yeah mm. Mm. well I think what we've um, uh, learned from this discussion is also the fact that how much of this goes on that, that, that your sitcom really is a tip of an iceberg isn't it yeah yeah and that you are um, and the, as I say you're leaving so much behind and the amount of work and discussion that you need to do so um, so Dave and I um, are doing a thing called sitcom soup to nuts um, which is a patreon only um, uh, series which you haven't put out uh, to patreon subscribers yet but it's coming and we're talking for quite a long time about a sitcom idea that we, you know, and we're going to we're going to create a sitcom before your very ears, as I often say, and then sort of hopefully take it all the way through. And we're sort of like, we're talking a lot about, you know, what is the show going to be, and what what are we interested in, what, you know, what what are we excited about, what, and also answering the question, why now? Why is this show mm. on yeah. now? I think, mm. yeah, and I think that's. Um, and it and should so, be more than because BBC One really needs a film. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, and pleasingly, ours is uh, ours is in that area. It's it, why now for the Wilson Save the World yeah. is because everybody I know, including you know my parents, for mm. whom the, uh, lots of these questions are a bit odd and a bit hard to answer. Everybody I know is addressing now. Oh, can we carry on using this much stuff? Can we? Mm. Oh, can, what can you say now? How do we invite mm. these mm. people in who who mm. who are now able to tell us more and more clearly? Mm. Oh, we've been excluded mm. like since forever. Um, everybody I know is doing that to some degree, yeah. and that's what we mean by ethics. We don't mean it's only what's in the green pages of the Guardian. Although yeah. that's the funnest. That's the fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a, well, it's a good starting point. You go from the green yeah. page in the Guardian, someone giving up plastic for a week, to should you top yourself? When you're racing sure, yeah. you know, yeah. that was, yeah. no 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 is the answer but well, also who, you know who are you to say no yeah well, but who am I yeah. exactly let's yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, just, I'm yeah. just wondering before Marcus goes whether it's uh, we should have a quick Q&A from the audience yes does anyone have Marcus? any questions so Marcus is going to run off in a sec we've got another half hour to run but Marcus is going to make a run for yeah, it has anyone got any I've got a thing here which people can talk into hang on I'm going to come down here has anyone got a question for Marcus before he goes Lot Other of pressure with me, Lee. Did you also go to TK Maxx like I did because we're wearing similar jackets? <laughs> <laughs> How much of your stand-up experience uh, helped you writing sitcom? Oh, uh, absolutely loads of it, uh, but is also a bit frustrating uh, when it comes to sitcom because all the best stand-up I've ever written has been a terrible mess when I first took it on stage and then become a thing in front of an audience and that is genuinely why I I'm very happy to leave everything till the last minute I mean the best stuff I ever did on the now show the big rants and stuff that I did on that if you had seen a copy of the script more than half of what was typed would have been scribbled out with new words because I'd said it out loud in front of other people and so sitcom's difficult for me where that's concerned and I'm there with a biro going ah that mm, that needs da, 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 a bit of um tweaking and and all the rest of it that I, is the joy of radio you can sort of uh, yeah, the you rehearsal before you record it you mm. you we, we can, can keep be tweaking what you are not to allowed the last to do minute you're no exactly, exactly. You do that. so that radio is lovely for that one and you can make pictures on the radio can i just do pitch on the radio in fact we've got a whole episode in the um next series which is set in a protest march yeah i'm really happy about it. it's set on something that might be the women's march might be the climate change march might be just you know a march. you get we've to all choose mm. been on a march. Mm. Uh, choose your own choose protest, your own protest. Adventure, yeah. but we did a with there's basically three quarters of a million people on in this mm. episode 
because you're allowed to do that. Well, I'm saying that Giles Giles Wembley Hogg goes off. I did uh, five series. He's coming back, by the way. Giles Wembley Hogg does Brexit. They have commissioned to go out on the 29th of March. Wow. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> but, it, but that's a great it's example. Civilization of, might yeah. end on that yeah. end. Yeah. 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 We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Um, but people's supplies of Radio Four might have run out. By then. <laughs> but that you I know, great my example with Radio of, 4, of, just of radio so. pictures. You know, we'd yeah. we'd begin an episode, and Giles would be in a market in Marrakesh, and in the listener's mind, yeah. they painted all the things and I adore radio from that point of view mm. just on the stand up thing and creating just I'll try and tell this as quickly as I can I did a routine about how Greece entered the Euro very popular subject everyone was all over <laughs> so it. hacked yeah. uh, really it. hacked yeah. material but it was oh no it did, was about, did all the other comedians have to drop their own yeah. Greece yeah. 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 absolutely yeah. livid yeah. Yeah. but it was about Greece um, trying to get it was like Greece trying to get into a nightclub and France were the bouncers and they weren't allowed in because they had the wrong shoes on and, the, and they weren't old enough which was there were criteria to enter the Euro and blah 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 so I wrote this thing and there was then when they got in there they found out the club has a German DJ and the music was too fast for Greece and basically they walked in yeah I'm in the club now and that's when they found out the club has a German DJ and they heard yeah dash it's my techno house (laughs) and it was I was really really pleased with it but I was like how the hell am I going to get this away first night I did it I went to the audience and I said does anyone work in financial services no one ever says yes and a bloke said yes and I went okay cool who for Goldman Sachs who were the people who got Greece into the euro and I went can I can I hear an accent there where are you from and he said Greece (laughs) so a Greek guy who worked for Goldman Sachs was in the front row of my preview show and I did that material and the audience must genuinely have thought I mean this guy is like he's way beyond genius yeah, yeah, that yeah. routine was extraordinary and it never played as well as it did on that night no, ever again but it did kind of establish it and that you should have hired that guy to go on the road oh, with know, you right? yeah. it's very expensive though I'd imagine that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so expensive yeah not his money though so no, it's alright yeah. um, but that's how I write best yeah. is but, with okay. looking for feedback because that's what I've become mm, used to. Mm. I was thinking uh, very early, uh, or was it relatively early in your career that you did The Savages, the yes, Simon yeah, yeah, Nye yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. sitcom? That was and fun. So, uh, but I, I can't, I mean, I may be wrong, but I can't think of other, apart from James's sitcom, where you work with other, uh, where you work on other people's scripts. Do you still, Oh, I see, yeah. Are oh, you still, oh d- desperate, still? desperate to be handed a script <laughs> is easily the most delightful thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, I mean, right. I played. I was lucky enough to play King Arthur in Spamalot. Not ah. just a script, but the script written by Monty Python and then mm. sharpened up by Eric Idle. So, yes, I'm delighted by having other people's work because I get to do that other thing of going, well, I think this is like this, and you're allowed to be you're allowed to be much wronger as a performer because someone will step in and go, mm, more this. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, one more question for Marcus. Anyone got one before before he makes a run for it? Marcus, go. Thank go. you very much, guys. My question in the last couple of minutes is. I mean, how did you get started, but also why did you keep going? By which I mean, there are so many reasons yeah. to stop. 
and you didn't. I think the question I would ask if I was uh, listening to this was, who the hell do I think I am to have all these opinions about sick? Oh. <laughs> Which is a good, good because I, I work on, a, look at my IMDb page or my BCG comedy Profile. guide pro yeah. page. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'll have. Yeah. Uh, is yeah. that a good plug? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I've worked on sort of lots and lots and lots of other people's things mm. and probably what people might not realise uh, is that you can also make a career writing lots of things that don't ever get made. Uh, so I've written loads of I've, the last ten years or so. I've maybe written two or three pilots a year. Right. Uh, and and while that sounds quite depressing, what that actually means is I, two or three times a year I get to literally build a world and yeah. build uh, fall in love with people yeah. and and build things and I, and it's and really, pay some of your mortgage and pay some of my mortgage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I, I how did I get started? I was a, a journalist um, okay. I was a huge comedy fan always been a huge comedy nerd as may be apparent mm -hmm. uh, and I moved to London and I saw a lot of stand-up fell in love with stand-up never wanted to do it always just wanted mm -hmm. to, to watch it um, and my dream was to write for the magazines which at the time were the f funniest things I mm -hmm. wanted to write for Loaded and The Face and Sky oh, and all those magazines yeah. but just they were really Sky fun. I know remember, oh, Sky. Blimey, I um, remember Sky so I, did, Sky? I started writing at Loaded yeah. I was an intern there um, which you know it was one of the funniest magazines in the world. It had Kathy Burke on the cover, it had The Simpsons, and it was everything that made me laugh. And so I worked there and loved that. Went and worked on some other magazines and when the sort of... But I was always in my spare time writing with stand-ups. was writing, you know, first, one of the first things I ever did was develop a sitcom with Brendan Burns and Phil Nickel and people like that. And we would just sort of sit around after... And it sounds really boring. That's what comedians do. They sit around talking about sitcoms after right. gigs and stuff. And I had all these... So, yeah, I started writing for my friends and realised I didn't need my friends. Ha! Yeah. And, uh, and when the sort of bottom fell out of the magazine thing I just kept doing what I was doing in my spare time right. which was writing sketches was writing on the comedy cuts on ITV oh, uh, when I got made redundant okay. from magazines and just kept on going got an agent really quickly and yeah just just yeah, yeah just kept doing it just kept doing the thing I wanted to yeah. do which was write jokes yeah <laughs> so just, uh, again yeah. it's the theme really I think a lot of this podcast of both British Comedy Guy but also previous podcasts we've done is a unifying theme and it sounds silly mm. is how much people love comedy mm. oh god and yeah. actually that's it really does matter so if you if you want to be a comedy writer loving comedy really <laughs> does help um, we should probably wrap things up there sure. Dave have you got so. any any other final no I think that's fine, that's fine. great we should yep. we should okay. um, get, get out of the way well, ladies and gentlemen after 100 episodes can we have a big round of applause Yay. for Dave and James <laughs> Yeah, we are both uh, cricket fans yes. as well. So. I'd love to point so. the cricket back to the dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. That's very kind of you. Um, so we should probably no, thank, you. thank you very much, um, Aaron, for all you do at the British Comedy Guide, for hosting this, um, although I think Mark does quite a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to putting the podcast up. Mark does quite so a lot. So we're very grateful to Mark too. Thank you very much, sir. Um, thank you very much uh, to Sarah for coming out and uh, being with us for the evening and uh, for giving of yourself. We're really very grateful. <laughs> You're welcome to myself. <laughs> thank you. And um, thanks very much to Patreon subscribers here. We are very grateful and it does make a difference. It means we can buy a kit, we can hire places like this and do this sort of thing. We're extremely grateful. And um, thank you very much for you for coming uh, to this show and thank you to the listeners for listening and st sticking with us and um, thanks very much indeed do you want to say goodbye Dave? I will I'll say goodbye now thank thanks you thanks very much and goodbye goodbye <laughs>